When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, there we go. Right. Hello and welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Happy Hour podcast. I'm uh, your host, Matthew Fox, and I'm joined today uh, as Ricky is taking a little bit of time for family at the holidays. Hard to believe uh, we, we've decided to take time with the family, but there you go. So I am joined today by uh, Jason, uh, who you may know him. He does uh, fight fire with flyers every weekend for us. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Happy holidays, Matt. It's a pleasure to be the change of pace analyst, if you will, this week for and for Ricky. Yeah, and it's Christmas Eve Eve, so I'm sure you're uh, you're excited about. Uh, we have a, a game tonight, none tomorrow, and then uh, at least a couple on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's a very pleasant time of year if you like professional football. I'm not as big of a college football fan, so. I'm not as concerned about the bowl games, obviously, when you get to New Year's and you get the big BCS championship playoff. That's a little different, but very excited to get professional football as often as, unfortunately, COVID is allowing for it. So, I know we're in quite a quite a stretch. It was, you know, we got our seasonal Tuesday night football doubleheader. Um, it was, it, you were excited about the prospect of two games on Monday and two games on Tuesday until the games came. And then it was like, well, these are not the games I was looking for. These are I, not. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> well, before we dive too far into the week 16 slate we are going to hit our normal thing games of the week jason and i will give you starts and sits and ricky even though he wasn't and give me a couple of his bets for the get to those but first we thought we would start out getting close to the end of the season unless you were blessed to be in the semi-final round you're probably already starting to think about next year especially if you play in the dynasty format so uh, this week and next week we're going to hit uh, current top fives at the big positions uh, this week Jason and I are going to do our top five at quarterback and at tight end so I will start first with my five at quarterback uh, my number five is Justin Herbert of the Chargers love what he's doing Doing. He's actually my QB1 for week 16, but um, I, I've loved, we haven't seen much of a sophomore slump. He's adjusted to the new system and it's going good. Number four for me, Kyler Murray, um, that kind of dangerous rushing receiving threat seems to have been a great marriage there with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Number three, Lamar Jackson. He's still a pretty fierce runner, uh, scoring a lot that way. Also, uh, I think he's gotten better uh, as a passer this year. I think we've seen him take a step forward, especially with some of his passing weapons. Number two for me is Patrick Mahomes. 
I still love what he's doing, but I think we've seen the evolution of the Chiefs' offense a little bit this year uh, where they've had to adjust and come down. Mahomes is still one of the most solid, but it doesn't seem like he's quite that lock for 50 touchdowns that it looked like after his first year starting. And number one for me is Josh Allen, um, the dual threat nature. He's still Buffalo's goal line back. Maybe this offseason they'll address the running back position, but I feel like they're pretty comfortable with him in that role. So that's my five. How about you, Jason? Uh, that's a great five. I really, uh, as we discussed off air, you, you had to leave somebody out. It felt like uh, you're splitting hairs between six. If you want to go seven, you could say maybe Joe Burrow has a shot. I'm a Joe yeah, Burrow. That fan. was me. I have Burrow right at six. He was a, he was a tough cut. Another tough cut for me was Dak um, who yeah. in prior years I had him up there, but this last season it's, it's all, he's a little bit in the case for me with Mahomes where their offense has gotten better, but that doesn't necessarily translate to him being better for fantasy. Yes, almost the uh, the evolution of the, the two-headed running game in Dallas and their effectiveness has made it unnecessary for them to be the offense we were seeing last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, I have him at number five because we've seen a lot of that production still. And we, we know the pieces he has around him and Zeke's not going to get younger next year. And we've seen him slow down to a degree, although Tony Pollard has been pretty exciting. So I've got Dak at five as, as sort of the similar to Mahomes as having a lot of veteran credibility and, you know, putting up uh, consistent, if not the flashy performances this season we'd like. At number four, I think we both had Kyler. Um, I I had him at two to start the season, and it looked like he was going to be number one for there for a little bit. But it's just that fragility that makes it a bit difficult. Uh, although I guess the hope is he's becoming what everyone wanted Russell Wilson to be, as yeah. far as uh, uh, an elusive threat if necessary, but really a, a pocket passer in a high powered offense, which clearly Seattle is, is not that. Um, well, and I'm with you. I think the, the real change for him has been the establishment that they have of an actual running game, a two headed running game. That's kind of taken off some of he, you know, he's not running like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Yes. And, uh, well, I would think that's partially by design, but it also helps to have pretty talented players in the backfield to do that. Um, all the James Conner touchdowns this year, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, 1% of him in any of my leagues, of course, 0%. Um, uh, your, your man, Josh Allen, I have at number three. Uh, I was trying to figure out a way to bump him down further. And the more I looked into it, despite the bills as, as a team record-wise, his numbers are just incredible and you're just not seeing mistakes from him and you're still seeing pretty much all of the touchdowns. So can't argue with him at three. Again, you've put him at number one. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, Number two uh, was really surprising for me. I put Justin Herbert at two. Uh, You mentioned it earlier. You're not seeing any decline from somebody who had almost an impossibly good freshman year in the NFL. And now 
uh, as his team is kind of dependent on him, he's kind of met the challenge. I, I'm really kind of excited and regret that I traded him in the offseason for Dak. But I think I'll I'll manage again. Um, and number one, I have Patrick Mahomes, just the chalk, really uh, not nearly as as much of a take as you with Josh Allen. Um, but again, I, I think Patrick Mahomes' uh, performance speaks for itself. And we're starting to see the Chiefs yeah. from that team we were expecting. So. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? A couple things is, you know, with Justin Herbert, a lot of people in their rookie drafts, he was like the consolation prize because he couldn't get up to get Burrow or Tua. And, you know, I felt that way in a couple. I was like, I got to have a quarterback. Ah, they took these guys. Well, I guess I got, I'm just going to have to hope that Herbert turns out and he's turned out to be the best. So that's kind of a couple of years later. Uh, we'll see how long, uh, you know, how that shapes up. But I, I think people who were debating about him or Tua that went with Tua have seen that promise. And I did that in a couple spots kind of have regrets about that, but I, it seems, so I didn't clock Lamar Jackson in yours. So if you were going to go down, where would you have a Lamar Jackson? He would be number six. Like he's only out honestly, just because um, my subjective concerns about, rush heavy quarterbacks being a bit more delicate as far as injury concerns. Otherwise uh, you could have him almost wherever you want on this list. I think depending on the argument you can make. He's one of the hardest, I think to rank in dynasty because of those concerns. Before we jump into tight ends, we got a question. I'm going to drop up there. It says, guys, I need help this week. PPR, one wide receiver, one running back, one flex. He has Antonio Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm guessing that's Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Sony Michelle, and Ronald Jones. He's already starting Deontay Johnson and Dalvin Cook. So he needs three out of this group. Which three are you going? One at least has to be a running back. Uh, why not? Matt, you want to take wide receiver? I'll take running back. And then we'll put our. You can just give for flex. Yeah, you can just give the three out of there that you like the best. I can All go right. first. My three, I'm I'm firing up Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette's not going to play. They're arguably going to put him on IR. They're playing the Panthers this week. I think Ronald Jones has filled in admirably. I have him pretty decently up in my RB2 consideration. Josh Jacobs is not a bad player, but going up against the Denver defense, I'm moderating expectations. He would be a consideration with Antonio Brown for me at flex. The wide receiver I'm going with is Amon Ross St. Brown. I actually have him up at wide receiver 19 this week. He has had amazing chemistry with Jared Goff. They are throwing the ball all over the place. It's a good matchup. So Amon Ross St. Brown and Ronald Jones, I'm for sure throwing in there. And then I, you know, I probably waffle back and forth between Jacobs and Brown. If Mike Evans ends up getting ruled out, it's Antonio Brown all day. I gotcha. I'm I'm leaning Antonio Brown at receiver, but that feels like a very fishy play. Um, and I know you uh, to foreshadow or, or have a sit for one of these Cowboys receivers later. Uh, and of course, I, I enjoy Dak, but again, this is uh, quite a slew of players. Mm -hmm. um, I want to 
uh, RB and flex. I want to use Ronald Jones and, and Josh Jacobs here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are great, great plays, good volume plays. That's really what it comes down to at this point. Um, the most important factor for me is, uh, especially at running back, is you know who's going to start, and that's something you you don't get to you know foreshadow too much beyond one week. So you take the volume that you know is there, um, especially because the wide receivers, uh, you know, you it looks like you need to stretch a little bit to get a big game. Whereas Josh Jacobs and Ronald Jones could just stumble into a lot easier touchdowns. Uh, I would be tossing up if if Antonio Brown's active and there's nobody to throw the ball to other than Gronk on Tampa. I think he's a must start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could fall back on Amari Cooper and be fine you know, if it's crowded in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously with Godwin gone for the season and Mike Evans on the I. Think Evans, it seems like they think he's going to play. And if he does, he's probably. But he, we've seen Tampa do this before, which is always in the back of my mind that Evans is active because he's a huge decoy for you. Um, but it, I, Antonio Brown's definitely going to play. I, it's a, interesting. I was talking to my, my uh, podcast partner, Matt Bruni, about this earlier this week. I believe that if Chris Godwin's ACL hadn't gotten torn, that the Buccaneers were going to release Antonio Brown because of the shenanigans. And now you essentially got confirmation of that with Bruce Arians saying history has changed. Yes. It's yeah. It's amazing. Cause he's, he's gone from probably being released to, he could be like the premier wide receiver, not just this week, but going through the playoffs. So it's, it's incredible, but we'll we'll transition back to our dynasty uh, tight end top five. I'm going to have you kick it off this time. Awesome, at number five uh, again. This was a, I guess, a rankings where it really came down to who you wanted to put at the five spot. For me, um, in dynasty, I'm going to favor youth as much as I can allow for it. Um, despite the injuries, I'm going with T.J. Hawkinson at five. Um, I guess the other candidates would have been if you if you want to go with a Darren Waller or now Dallas Goddard looks like the hot commodity. Um, it was really between those two, Goddard and Hawkinson for me. Um, and I'm just going to stick with Hawkinson there. At four, uh, Travis Kelsey, the destroyer of worlds, is pretty much, even at his advanced age, is still undeniably the most desirable tight end target if you're looking at a win now window. Uh, number three is George Kittle. Uh, if it wasn't for the injuries that seem to be plaguing him for a handful or more games each season, I'd probably have him at number one or two. Uh, but instead, we have Mark Andrews at number two, who looks to be uh, really exciting with Lamar Jackson and, and apparently Tyler Huntley, who's uh, very effective and driving pretty much the same offense that Lamar Jackson did. And number one is, uh, again, my big, uh, big age related play with uh, Kyle Pitts at number one. Again, we've seen maybe a flash or two, uh, not nearly the level of excitement we were hoping for, but Atlanta going forward needs somebody to throw the ball to. I'd like to see Calvin Ridley back to make him 
not get all of the pressure uh, defensively, but I still think you have to take the gamble at him at the top for an extensive period of time of really dominant play. Yeah, and that you know that's a really uh, solid group. It's going to be interesting. Tyler Huntley will be an interesting one for me watching this offseason because he acquitted himself very well. He is a free agent. Uh, given the state of quarterback in the league and so many questions, and not all of those questions will be answered by the draft class in 2022, it will right. be interesting to see if a guy like him gets a shot. I know Baltimore would obviously love to keep him because he, you are correct, plays – he almost plays Lamar Jackson's game a little bit better than Jackson in terms of I, I liked what he did as a passer while he was still running. Um, I think that's going to make him a very interesting and attractive target. But uh, I'm a little bit the same as you. I think in Dynasty, you you want to play a little bit like Bill Belichick. You want to run the risk of being a year too early rather than being two years too late. Um, you know, we've my some of us have had this this debate a little bit with Ezekiel Elliott because a couple of years ago, um, one of my podcast partners, Dennis, was like, "It's time to sell Ezekiel Elliott. He's about to go down." We we're like, "No, nah, you're wrong. You're wrong." And looking two years later, it's like, "Oh man, I wish I would have sold sold high." Because if you get too far down the road, this happened to me with Le'Veon Bell. I doggedly held on to him and even added shares during the season when he held out because I just, I loved him and I couldn't let it go. And I had him on 25 dynasty teams and never got a return. It basically was like a sunk asset. So you got to be a little bit careful. Sometimes you have to trade even when it, when it hurts or move, even when it hurts. So that's probably a preface to my top five where I have a, what some will consider a surprising decision. But at five for me, I went with Darren Waller. I still love what he's doing for the Raiders. They seem to have found a little bit of a receiver in Renfro. They're a team that's definitely going to see some kind of offseason changes. But I like Waller. Um, little, he's had some health issues this year, some inconsistency. There are some questions. But I like the talent. I like what he's developed into. Um and I still believe, you know, he's a young enough player that I'm investing in that. Number four, TJ Hawkinson for me. Um, I think the best thing in the world for him is that Amon Ross St. Brown is coming on. Uh, I'm starting to come around to some of the people that said we will probably see Jared Goff again next year because he hasn't been too bad. He's been decent for what they're trying to do, and that gives them more time to keep building that line with DeAndre Swift. I think this offense is getting better. People aren't going to be able to key on Hawkinson as much, and we've seen his explosive level of talent. Uh, number three for me is Kyle Pitts. He's had a better rookie season than people want to admit. I think a lot of people thought he was going to roll into 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, and that probably was never realistic. Mm -hmm. There are questions about Atlanta, but I actually like what they're doing. I think they found a versatile weapon in Cordero Patterson that fits what they're trying to do. I like how Russell Gage has sort of quietly developed into a reliable wide receiver too. If Calvin Ridley, we wish him the best, if he can get kind of – healthy and feel good about playing. Then you come back with a second year of Kyle Pitts being that kind of weapon at tight end right now. I think what has hampered him some is both their lines, not great, and they don't have this huge vertical threat. So everyone is keying on Kyle Pitts. And despite that, he's quietly having a very decent, solid and reliable season. So I think this is just the beginning for him. Number two for me is George Kittle. Um, injuries are a little bit of a concern, but my God, when he's on the field, he's something else. Um, 
you know, and last year we didn't see as many games. So you kind of forgot that, but the stretch down the stretch has been huge. And number one for me is actually the number one tight end in fantasy who has just exploded. And it's Mark Andrews. I feel like he is coming on. Uh, he's coming into his prime. He's having career year. Uh, we worried, would he be able to maintain the target share? I think he's even increased his target share. He has looked like an absolute beast. And if you're keeping track, that means in my five, I did not have Travis Kelsey. And I still like Kelsey. I still see Kelsey as a talent. Heading into this year, the years prior, Travis Kelsey was a gigantic positional advantage and was drafted as such. He was drafted as such this year, and he has not been that positional advantage. We have seen a little bit of a shift in the Chiefs offense. He is an older player as well, and we have still seen the high highs. You cannot deny what he did last Thursday night, but we've also seen several times this year where he's caught two or three passes for 30 yards or less which you had never really seen in the past. And in my, I still have him at six. I'm not going any lower than that. But when I'm looking at it, the window of where he is and with how much he costs, because if you want Travis Kelsey for that name value alone, it's still you have to make a high first-round commitment. I think you can do better going second or third round with one of these other guys. Certainly. Uh it feels like the Travis Kelsey trade window, if you're in Dynasty, has pretty much closed. I'm not sure what you could look to get, um, depending on trade deadlines in your leagues or, or whatnot. But I would imagine there are some teams, maybe a TJ Hawkinson team that's uh, doing well, or a Darren Waller team. Ah, but you would want Darren Waller for Kelsey. Yeah. It's tough. You're pretty well, much stuck with Kelsey now, I think, if you have not <laughs> Yeah, I don't I think this offseason might be the time where you, you start looking, you know, and I would even consider, you know, if you're getting picks back with him, moving a Travis Kelsey for a um Dawson Knox or Dawson Knox, a Pat Fryermuth, a Cole Komet, one of those guys who I think is going to be on the come up. Um, you know, we've started to see Knox start to emerge. I think that's going to be better. Pat Fryermuth, when they get a better quarterback, I mean, already what, what we've seen is he – there wasn't as big of a gap maybe between him and Kyle Pitts at tight end as people buy, and there's certainly a huge gap between those guys and everybody else. And I've even liked what I've seen. Cole Komet has developed some chemistry with Justin Fields if they get a little better, more efficient offense. So you may not have a huge fall off with those guys. Plus, you can probably still get a boatload of picks, but this is probably the window where I'm starting to think about do I sack her? You know, do you hang on to Kelsey because he's going to be a tight end one for a couple more years uh, with, you know, some lesser games? Or do you make the sacrifice, make the move, and try to build up some future assets? Yeah, it's it's a tricky spot because you're, you're never getting back what you feel like Kelsey is worth to your team. Like, you're, you're never getting... Uh, you know, a 52 point performance by the replacement in a tight end premium league. Like that's not happening. And it happened last week with Kelsey who had been having a, a down season. So, uh, and it's funny, you know, getting those rookie picks, uh, like you said earlier with Justin Herbert, you know, you have a rough idea of the talent levels and where they're going to go, but 
but especially with quarterback, if a quarterback's picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft, uh, I believe it's uh, analytics of dynasty. Jordan McNamara kind of looked at that and said, you basically have a 50, 50 shot of getting to that second contract in the NFL, but it doesn't matter if you're picked first in the NFL draft or you're picked ninth or 10th. Yeah. Uh, the order doesn't matter. And so that's where Herbert, I believe was picked eighth at San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, uh, you were mentioning that you, you got him as the consolation prize, you would say, in some of your rookie drafts. Uh, depending on how late it was, you actually probably had a really good team. We're mm-hmm. picking ninth or 10th and end up with Justin Herbert, who ends up being now your a top five overall quarterback. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, you got these rebuilding teams with tons of picks that had combinations of Tua and, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire who are still trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, that's one of my um, Superflex teams that's good, where I ended up getting Herbert because I was later back and he was a later QB. I already had um, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, and Matthew Stafford. So, And I have Deshaun Watson, which obviously has been a sunk asset this year. But looking at that, uh, you know, going into the year, you'd have been like, well, I got Justin Herbert. He's an option. And now it's like, well, thank God I don't have to play Russell Wilson every week. <laughs> right. That's quite a stable of quarterbacks, though. You should be in good shape. I know. I'm time. I'm the number one seed, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I had uh, some COVID and some injuries. Running back always seems to be a, a Travis Shamakery. I was – I uh, put I put some – some faith into Miles Gaskin preseason that in some places has uh, that faith has not been rewarded. If it if it helps, I I traded Miles Gaskin in Dynasty for Cortland Sutton, thinking I get a safer asset, and it's this you know, week you do. Drew Locke's going to be in. Yeah, you so. never know. We'll never know. Well, speaking of those, let's uh, transition. I'm going to look at some games of the week. I'm going to give you a game uh, in the Christmas Day window, early window, late window, night game uh, on Sunday, and then Monday night game. And then at the end, Jason, if you have one game you're excited about this week, I'll throw it to you. But first, Christmas Day, we have two matchups. The first one is the Browns at the Packers, which I feel is probably going to be lopsided. The one I'm excited about, red-hot Indianapolis Colts with my MVP pick, Jonathan Taylor, uh, going up against the Arizona Cardinals, who are reeling a little bit, in case you didn't see them at the double-digit loss to the Lions last week. I actually think the Colts are going to win this one. I am pumped. That has major playoff implications. Uh, the early window game on Sunday that I am excited about, the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Buffalo was my preseason Super Bowl pick. I'm not ready to quit you yet, Josh Allen. We uh, The first matchup of these teams did not go that well. Patriots coming off a tough loss. The Bills have won a couple games in a row to try to kind of get back into it. I'm hoping Buffalo pulls the upset. I think that's going to be a fascinating game. The late window game, there is not a great late afternoon slate. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, 7-6-1, even though they have had almost no offense down the stretch, only a half game out of first in their own division. Welcome to 2021. Going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, we're not sure if they're going to have any players available. Uh, COVID is wreaking havoc. Kelsey is on the list. He has a little bit better chance to get activated than Tyreek Hill, who's also on the list. They said they expect more positives coming. I hope all those people, I hope Patrick Mahomes, 
Mahomes is living in an igloo somewhere this week uh, to keep him safe. Because as long as he's there, I feel like he can make uh, make things work. We may see a resurgence of Josh Gordon, who was on the COVID list last week. Maybe he'll be back. They're probably trying to keep CEH somewhere in a bubble as well so that they have at least a weapon. Um I it's I still think Kansas City finds a way to win. That defense has been going pretty well, um, but that's going to be an interesting game. It will have major implications. The Sunday night game, the Washington football team, two weeks ago they were 6-6. Six and six. They looked like they were surging. They lost to Dallas. They lost to the Eagles. They get Dallas again this week. They get the Eagles again next week. I think they're going to be 6-10 and 10 at the end of that. Dallas is 10-4. and four. Uh, If they win, they'll get the Eagles. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. East, um, because the Philly won't be able to catch them. And I think that that's probably likely. Dallas actually still has a statistical shot at being the number one overall seed because they said if Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and Dallas are all tied record-wise, Dallas actually has the tiebreaker. My preseason Super Bowl pick of the Dallas Cowboys being better by week at least. Of the two, Dallas and Buffalo, I thought Dallas was the one I was going to have to sweat out the most. Thank you, Buffalo, for Nothing. Uh, the Monday night football game, also major playoff implications. Miami Dolphins, 7-7, seven and seven, one of the league's hottest teams. They've won six straights and starting 1-7 and seven at the New Orleans Saints, who are 7-7. Seven and seven. Love me some Taysom Hill. This is, a, this is a heartbreaking decision for me. Miami actually still has a chance in the NFC East. We may have forgotten, but they beat the Patriots in week one, and those two teams play in the final week of the season. So Miami, if they were to win out, is not completely out of the race in their own division. Welcome to the NFL in 2021, where you can start one and seven and still end up winning your division in professional football. So those are my game picks this week. Do you have a matchup that you're pumped for this week? Uh, my most exciting matchup, uh, barring from the shenanigans that the Steelers have been fooling around with this year, I'd like to go in the division with Baltimore-Cincinnati. It's kind of the, the prime matchup. I think, uh, not that I think Cincinnati's a real uh, uh, mover and shaker in the playoffs, if you will, but I've been excited for the combination of, of Burrow, Higgins, Chase, you know, mix into an extent in Boyd to see what they can do. And unfortunately, it feels like they're being handcuffed to a, to a degree, uh, almost as if the coaching staff doesn't know what to do with a team that can score points or has the potential to score a lot of points. If you know that, what's interesting? 
interesting too. I saw a stat that the Bengals are four and zero this year when Joe Burrow throws for less than two hundred yards, which makes no sense when you're thinking about, oh man, they got Joe Burrow, they got Jamar Chase, they got T. Higgins, they got Tyler Boyd, they're gonna throw it all over the place. No, weeks like last week where he threw for one hundred and fifty-seven yards and Jamar Chase got you a whopping one point three PPR points are actually better right. for the Bengals playoff chances. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you're, you're familiar with with Denver. It just that kind of fit their what they were looking to do because Denver wasn't looking to throw the ball anywhere either. So that game was just kind of a yeah, stuck in the mud. Run the ball. Whoever has the lead pretty much just holds on if it's by a score or more. And you're you're in our group chat, so you saw how excited I was when Drew Locke threw that touchdown to Tim Patrick. I got so excited. I posted the uh, I'm ready to get hurt again and almost immediately he fumbled. So I was like, I better I better be careful about how my wife's like, you were cheering pretty hard there for a while. Did they win? And I'm like, no. Did you notice I got quiet? <laughs> I got <laughs> sullen down the street. Oh well. Well, let's uh, transition to some good uh, sit starts for the week. Uh, speaking of the Bengals, I will kick off with uh, my starts for the week at quarterback. I'm going with Joe Burrow. Um, I know the stat I just gave would lead you to believe, but <laughs> Baltimore doesn't have what you might call a robust passing defense. Uh, and I really like those three receiving options. Uh, plus, you never know when CJ Uzama is going to make an appearance. Uh, Joe Mixon got beat up last week, limped off <coughs> the field for those that didn't see that. So I think they may have to throw. I mentioned it earlier when we got the question, but I'm in on both Ronald Jones and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are my starts this week. Ronald Jones, we have seen him excel when he's been given a chance, uh, You know, especially if he can hold on to the ball. The Panthers defense, even though they traded for a lot of players, does not necessarily scare me. We're not going to see Leonard Fournette. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is on IR. I don't think they're ready to turn over a huge workload to Keyshawn Vaughn. And with the receiving core a little bit beat up and trying to protect Brady and his 43-year-old frame for the playoffs. I think we're going to see a steady dose for Ronald Jones, and that means nothing but good things. And Amon Riot St. Brown has been incredibly hot, has developed great chemistry um, with Jared Goff, and I think he's in for another big day. So I'm firing both those guys up. And then my tight end start is Dallas Goddard. He was really hot with Gardner Minshew, and I think Jalen Hurts took some notes about that. Uh, mm -hmm. They are playing the Giants this week. The Giants are not incredible at guarding a tight end, as in I don't think they remember that the tight end is a pass-catching weapon when most of the teams they play. And Jalen Hurts had incredible chemistry with Goddard last week. I think that continues. The Eagles have a very – I don't think they can win the East because there are two. There are three games games back with three to play, but they can definitely get into the playoffs. I actually think they have a shot of the three, seven and seven teams. This feels weird to say the three, seven and seven teams right now are the Eagles, Saints and Vikings. I might have the most faith in the Eagles. So God help us all. I, I agree. The Eagles seem the most fit to, I would say, uh, keep a game to one score at worst. They seem to be the most competitive despite uh, the times where you're uncertain if Jalen Hurts could pull them back from a, you know, beyond a seven point deficit at any time. Uh, I feel like their defense is, is strong enough to, to keep it together. But no, I like that take. That's a good spot. Well, what are your starts this week? Um, we're going to start it off with Taysom Hill. 
at home at quarterback uh, after what what seemed like a earth shattering uh, <laughs> floodgates week for terrible quarterbacks last week. Uh, I think you're just starting Taysom Hill over some of those mediocre pass catching op uh, pass. I would say gunslinging options uh, at quarterback. Tyson Hill's still a top 10 QB with his running game. And uh, I want to say Miami's not going to prove to be the same uh, defensive defensive stalwart as, as Tampa Bay. So we should see a little bit more, or we should see some touchdowns, at least in, in New Orleans this week. Uh, moving on, I believe we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back against Pittsburgh. Again, we're hoping he's remains uh, bubbled throughout the week. Um, this is almost just a, a fade against the Pittsburgh defense and, and the possibility that Edwards Hilaire has to be activated a bit more in that passing game if some of these pass catchers don't return from COVID for the Chiefs. But you've seen some big numbers from running backs against the Steelers uh, as recently as Dalvin Cook had about 360 yards in the first half almost. It felt like, again, watching what was one of the ugliest Steelers games, uh, three quarters, I guess, of a Steelers game. And then we have A.J. Brown, if he's activated. Uh, I don't think Tennessee has anything left offensively. To, I definitely don't. Yeah, I mean, outside of the, the overflowing kitchen sink that they've been using – as a, a stopgap for now, they they need AJ Brown, and, and they're going to use him uh, until you just can't physically get off the field, and they have to stretcher him out, in my opinion. So you take your chances, especially this week uh, in an early matchup. If you know he's active, and you need a need a receiver, and you've been holding on to him, you need to get him in the lineup because you don't know who else goes on a COVID list before Sunday's games or or Mondays or Tuesdays games as, as it happens at this point in the season. But, um, and finally at, at tight ends, I'm going to go with my dynasty. Number one, Kyle Pitts at home against Detroit. Uh, I think again, we're in a situation where he's going to be a tight end one. Uh, you're looking to hit that peak peak mark for the week and playing at home and being against Detroit coming off. What was Detroit's probably, uh, best performance of the season, you, you're likely seeing a down arrow from Detroit, uh, I guess, energy-wise coming into this week after that performance. And uh, I just like the spot with Atlanta at home and, and needing to put some points on the board against the team that uh, can be shaky but is also starting to put points on the board. It is amazing for how long Detroit was winless that now Jacksonville has the number one pick. Well, those are the, the players that we like. How about uh, you give us four that you are not firing up this week? Sounds good. At quarterback, we're going to sit Justin Fields. Almost, uh, it's a, a funny parallel to Taysom Hill, who I have as a start. Justin Fields, on the other hand, is on the road at Seattle. And unless I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Nagy is still the head coach of Chicago. Yeah, I, probably for three more weeks. Yeah, I, I just, I see, unless you're you're getting a full, 
uh, hybrid workload from Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney alone isn't going to handle that offense. And I like, I agree, Cole Komet is, is coming on, but playing at Seattle's is a bit harder, even, even how bad Seattle's been this year. It just feels like a, a turnover game for Chicago. And you're not getting enough of the rushing element that you need to have him have a high enough floor to make it make it valuable for you. I think you're getting very low ceiling and a floor that's more false than anything. Um, uh, running back, uh, this might be a popular opinion now, uh, Miles Gaskin as a sit. Um, I'm not even sure if he's the RB1. Uh, did you mention you had Duke Johnson making appearances in your lineups and you weren't sure you know, exactly what happened? I feel like I've made several claims for this Duke Johnson character as well. Um, but with zero fab dollars, I'm still here trying to figure out what to do with combinations of Dontrell Hilliard and various other <laughs> bottom of the barrel to welcome to the NFL in 2021. Yeah. At wide receiver, uh, I'm going to sit Stefan Diggs. Uh, provided you have reasonable RB1, uh, wide receiver one, wide receiver two options. Uh, for example, if you if we're aware that we can get Antonio Brown into that lineup, I'd much rather have him than Diggs. I just think the Patriots' goal of their offense is going to be to shut him down, and the question is whether he is elusive enough. Um, and if Buffalo is able to maybe – coach a little bit better to get Josh Allen in the, in the right spots to get the win at new England, which is typically tough. Although you, you like it, uh, their chances as a revenge game after having such an awful performance, they almost impossible to play as poorly in new England. I can't quit you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we were arguing earlier in the year, uh, you know, you were, uh, I believe that the trade offer was Stefan Diggs for like three players, Zach Moss, Julio Jones, and Adam Thielen. And I was, you know, panhandling for, for the Diggs side. And now I'm here telling you to start who I thought was <laughs> top five wide receiver in the entire league. Uh, in fairness, I would start him over all three of those options <laughs> mentioned in the trade. Yeah. And Not then, even uh, sure Thielen's going to be active in this Moss. My God, I've not seen someone's fantasy fortunes drop faster in 16 weeks than Zach Moss, who went from people just said he just needed a chance to break out. Now he's not even active on game days. Yeah, which is just brutal because, I mean, up until last week, it's not like you were suddenly getting Devin Singletary production either. So, <laughs> you know, no. and, uh, I guess – Go to one of your your faithful as my tight end sit Noah Fant. Um, obviously, with Drew Locke, it could be a bit of a different game, but I believe on the road at Vegas, it seems like they're really going to have to completely switch how they've been managing the offense in order to get Noah Fant uh, capable. And Alberto seems to be coming on a little bit as well and being more active in the tight end passing game. He's He's kind of uh, cutting some of that volume away. And Noah Fant is more like just closer to the streaming options at tight end one now, in my opinion. 
Yep. Uh, it's hard to know. Denver has a wonderful set of receivers, tight ends, and backs, but uh, they don't know how to use them. Please, God, let that change in the offseason. My sits, you know, you mentioned uh, Chicago at Seattle. Uh, I went the the opposite end of that, which is uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson still has a name, but he has little else uh, since he returned from injury. He had two of the worst games I've ever seen in his first games back. He had a couple of middling games, but we saw it rear its ugly head again last night. I don't want to watch that game. I don't want my fantasy fortunes to depend on that Chicago-Seattle game. Um you know, Russell Wilson is still low end, a super flex option for me if you are starting, because I don't think he'll be probably out of the top 24, but I don't think he's going to be in the top 20 either. So you got to be real careful there. Uh, Darrell Henderson is my sit at running back. I like what Sony Michelle has been doing. Um, there was a lot of talk with the Rams just use still, you know, they have tended toward wanting to have one bell cow back, but we saw in Henderson's return on Tuesday night, almost said Monday night, but it was a rare Tuesday night game, that they split the workload between him and Michelle. They're not getting enough passing volume to make that work. He's not your lock at RB1 or RB2. Um, you know, maybe a flex option, but that's it for me. Uh, my wide receiver sit hurts. It's Amari Cooper. I still think he's going to have wide receiver three flex options, but Dallas is not throwing at the volume that they were in 2019. And they have been running it a little bit more. They're going up against Washington. I still like C.D. Lamb, but they are—they have Gallup. They have Dalton Schultz. They have Pollard. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They are not putting up the volume in scoring and everything to make all those guys viable every week. And we've seen a couple of times here where Amari Cooper seems to be the guy that, he, you know, his receptions don't tend to be the longer variety. When they're going to go down the field, it tends to be Lamb or Gallup. Um, so I think Amari Cooper probably will return you some value, but he is not the lock uh, for top 15 that he has been in years past. And then my tight end says Tyler Conklin. I got excited that when Adam Thielen was injured, that Conklin might might be a viable start, and that has burned me two weeks in a row. Thielen hasn't been ruled out yet. If he comes back, that's even worse. But they're using KJR Osborne. They're using... Kanae Nwangawu, they're using Amir Smith-Marset. Tyler Conklin is not a reliable guy, especially if you are in the semifinals. I think, was it Cousins had 12 receptions last week? 12 completions. He only threw for 87 yards. He got two touchdowns, so I think it masked a little bit from a fantasy standpoint. But I dropped him a little bit further down my QB2 ranks, too. Dalvin Cook has been killing it, and Minnesota probably has decided they don't want to rely on Captain Kirk having to throw all the time. Justin Jefferson is a clear number one option. And then after that, it's a little bit of a question. They are playing the Rams this week also. I like the Rams. I don't believe in Minnesota. I'm waiting for Minnesota to start screwing us over, and I think this might be the week. Um, but Captain Kirk, fresh off less than 100 yards against a Bears defense that got absolutely destroyed two weeks in a row prior to that, gives me a moment of pause. Um, our friend Ricky sent over four bets he likes. I'm going to read those real quick. Uh, he likes the Panthers over one and a half total touchdowns against the Buccaneers. Apparently he is uh, taking the bold route there. But Cam Newton has has been putting up touchdowns, even though the Panthers haven't been successful. He's been their best running back. He's been um, – 
playing quarterback. I'm not even sure he's the best quarterback right now, but he has been playing there. Uh, Ricky also not believing in the Vikings. He takes the Rams minus two and a half uh, this week. He likes the over 43 and a half total points for Buffalo and New England. Um, famously, when those two teams played on that Monday night game, it was very windy, very brutal. Mac Jones threw the ball three times total. It was a very low scoring affair. Uh, so Ricky is foreseeing that one being a little bit higher this week. And Ricky also seems to be in on the Colts. He likes over one and a half touchdown passes for Carson Wentz. And you know what? I'm on board with that. I put Carson Wentz up into my uh, top 12 this week. I think he could have a sneaky good game. I like Michael Pittman as a play this week as well. And I think if you're desperate, Jack Doyle could be an interesting play because we've seen in these higher volume passing games, that's where the Colts go. But what do you think of Ricky's bets this week? I uh, I like him. I'm really rooting for the Carolina over one and a half touchdowns. I'd like to have DJ Moore get a little bit more than you know five receptions for sixty empty yards. Um, <laughs> but that's you know clearly a fantasy perspective for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious. With the Colts, uh, they've clearly been the hottest team, in my opinion. And I think the question mark surrounds if uh, if they need more out of Wentz than, than what we've seen in order to be a, a real threat to win the Super Bowl. Um, clearly, Jonathan Taylor is, is the best running back in the league. And Arizona looks in real trouble uh, at this point. And I'd be curious to see them win a playoff game. Yeah. At, at any rate. Um, especially actually, Andre Hopkins out. But I actually think the Rams are gonna end up winning the NFC West. Um you know, the Cardinals that loss to the to Detroit's gonna be pretty ugly because they have some some much more difficult games down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them lose one or two more. Uh, and just get end up getting clipped by the Rams. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the Niners kind of sneak more into that playoff hunt too. Not that they're necessarily going to contend for for the division, but it, it almost looks like it, you're going to see a flip flop in the start and finish between Arizona and San Francisco at this rate. Well, and the, the way that the schedule plays out, so Arizona has. Colts, Cowboys, and then they end with the Seahawks. If they drop a couple of those games, so in San Francisco, if San Francisco can get the win tonight, then they have the Texans. They end uh, with the Rams. So that Rams 49ers game could end up being a division deciding game. Uh, there, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up, you know, famously the last week of the season. Yeah. They pick one game that has huge playoff implications to flex to the last game on Sunday night football. I think that's a very strong contender with how these three teams in the West are shaping up that that ends up being the last game of the regular season. That said, speaking of week 18, do you have many leagues that go the full length of the season championships at the last week of the season? I don't think I have any. If I have one, I'll, I'll be surprised. I. It is interesting with how much parity we've had this year. I think you're going to have people arguing that going to the last week of the season isn't a bad idea. But typically, you know, in years past, you've seen so many. You just never know 
who's going to be have something to play for, who's not, and who's going to be protecting their assets for the playoffs. I think it's a really a big dice roll. Yes, it feels like you're suddenly playing a different game once you get, you get to a week 17 or now it's week 18 uh, championship or if it's a third place game. Suddenly you're just mastering the waiver wire as opposed to, you know, have a, a well, well-built machine that got you there. Yeah. Um, you're just rooting for teams that are in the wild card hunt, basically, to be all your players. Although arguably that's what this entire season has been like. Um, before we, we get out of here, I wanted to end. We usually have a, a movie corner. This week I'm just going to highlight one thing. Christmas is coming up. Uh, in case you haven't heard, today is a day to go out and get some presents or uh, maybe you squeeze it in tomorrow. Christmas is Saturday, and that always brings some big movie releases. One of the biggest this year is American Underdog, which is the biopic on Kurt Warner. Uh, tells you a little bit of his story beginning with his last year in college and his struggle to make it to the NFL and the success that he enjoyed with the Rams. Uh, Ricky had a chance to see this one early and to interview Kurt and Brenda Warner and Zachary Levi, who plays Kurt Warner in the movie. Some of those interviews have dropped already. Some will be dropping in the next few days. I encourage you to go check that out. I had a chance to see this movie in a preview screening last week, and I loved it. For those of you that follow my movie review uh, scoring, you know that I'm not an easy grader. I gave it four out of five stars. It was great. It took my wife. She uh, basically likes football by association to having the misfortune of having said yes when I asked her to marry me. She also loved it. He's got a great story. He and Anna Paquin, who plays Brenda Warner, do a great job in this movie. I had a lot of fun. Dennis Quaid plays Dick Vermeil, which was a little bit of fun, kind of seeing <laughs> him out there. Uh, I really love this, but Jason, I know big football fan. You probably remember Kurt Warner and those uh, greatest show on turf Rams. Absolutely. The, the Rams were spectacular. I actually have a funny story. Um, my uh, a friend of my father's owed him a few bucks, uh, probably a hundred, couple hundred bucks and, and had nothing scrapped together and actually gave him a, a Kurt Warner autographed football as sort of his, his payment. And that was right, right in the stretch when when he was out of football for a time before the Cardinals. So it was uh, kind of a, you know, an unfortunate but humorous, you know, situation. And then suddenly he came back with the Cardinals, and and reemerged. And it was kind of a joke about how we had this had this football that was suddenly worth, you know, worth pennies, and now it's it's a real <laughs> it's a real commodity again. I know, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, this is a great movie for the family. There's a lot of family themes, a lot of father-son themes, a lot of relationship themes that, that it hits. It's also PG, so you can feel comfortable taking the fam out on uh, on Christmas Day if you've grown tired of all the conversations and you need a little time in a dark room where you can focus on something else. This is a good uh, two-hour pop-out. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's great for football fans. It's great for everyone. Is uh. Correct me if I'm wrong. Zachary Levy is uh, from Chuck Shazam. Yep, Zachary Levi plays. Uh, he's the main character in Shazam. Awesome. The new Shazam is coming out uh, next year, but he was Chuck. I am so glad to hear you reference that show. One of my all-time favorites. I uh, I bought the entire series on Voodoo. I've actually been going through it in my binge watch column. At some point in 2022, I'll be dropping my favorite Chuck episodes. Probably the week that Shazam, uh, the Shazam sequel 
comes out, but I have always loved Zachary Levi. He was he was good in this as well. Awesome. I uh, I was one of my favorite performances was I think he was season two of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He was he was yep. tremendous. He was good in that too. I mean, it's always a delight when I see him come up on the screen. But he he did so well. Um, you know, as Warner with that haircut, uh, just kind of <laughs> matching. Um, you know, and it's it's. I really enjoyed it, and you know, when you're at the holidays, you're looking for uh, for a film that probably you know can appeal across a lot of uh, a lot of demographics, and I think this one does that, um, and an exciting one. Yeah, and Anna Paquin is is tremendous. Uh, I, my wife and I had watched the show Flack, I believe, might have been on Amazon Prime, yep. which is not the family friendly show or movie that American Underdog is, but uh, very, very entertaining to say the least. Yep. So you can check that one out. It, it drops on Christmas Day. So that way you can get a little football without having to fight over the remote as well. But that'll do it for us uh, this week. I want to thank uh, Jason for being here. Thank you guys all for watching and wish you the best of luck in week 16 of the NFL season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.